Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We have arrived at a brand new time, my friends, because AEW Dynamite no longer airs on TNT in the United States of America, and it now airs on TBS. But because I am a British person, I just woke up and put it on Fight TV, as I've been doing for the last couple of years. But my word was this loaded up show, because not only was the world title defended, but the tag team titles were defended, and we did crown the first ever TBS champion. But now we have to ask, was it any good, or did it make us cry tears of sadness? Although I will say, if you're crying tears of sadness at wrestling, you should probably go and do something else. Less up those doubts. Before Hangman on a page versus Brian Danielson for the AEW world title did kick off this episode of Dynamite, probably to make you go, oh my gosh, this is what we did last time. Maybe we will have to go to the judge's decision because, of course, these guys had been brought in to ensure that even though we had a draw last time, we will never have one again. Well, I will spoil it for you straight away because the judges didn't have to do anything. We did get a definite winner. And if you want to come in here right now and say, Simon, I think that was the best match I've ever seen on a Wednesday night? Well, I don't think I'm going to argue with you. And in case you care too, our judges were Paul White, Mark Henry, and very wonderfully, Jerry Lynn. And straight away, Brian Danielson was like, man, I ain't going to fight you, Hangman Anna Page. I am going to smash my video game controller and just do all of my taunts. But I tell you why I like this as well, because it was almost teasing, I'm going to make the clock go long and maybe try and win on points. Hangman was having none of this though, so he just flew out of the ring with a dive and then he climbed to the top rope and he tried to do a moonsault, missed, but he was still able to get up, grab Danielson and powerbomb him into the apron and I made some calls. That's the hardest part of the ring. Page then got way too confident because he decided, I know I'm gonna go for the buckshot lariat right away, but then Brian got out the way and when Hangman tried to get him, Brian essentially just threw him into Barry Barricade and then he realized the chap was down, so he went to work on his arm. From here though, forget about it, because even though Brian did become a bit of a body part machine, you just had these explosions of craziness that came out of nowhere. Like at one point, Adam Page grabbed Danielson and he just threw him right onto the floor, but then Danny was like, nah, bro, I ain't gonna stand for that. So he dropped toehold Angman Adam Page into the still steps and then surprise, surprise, there was blood on one man, there was blood on the other, 
another man, this got serious. We then had DVDs, German suplexes, and both guys trying to decapitate the other one by hurling their heads into the ring post. And I tell you, the reason this was so good is because it was part wrestling, part all-out carnage, but I couldn't call a winner. And that is the secret sauce. When it comes to pro wrestling, you want to put it on your wrestling burger and stick it in your mouth. I don't know. They then started both throwing bombs to the point I was like, man, one of them is going to get seriously hurt. And then when they did go to the top rope, I can't even explain it. The cowboy hit this moonsault, powerbomb, slam thingamajig. And all I do know is that it made me go, <laughs> what is going on? What am I watching and why is it so good? We zoom back to Omega versus Okada after this because when Hangman went for another buckshot lariat, Brian Danielson just fell in the ring. And as far as I'm concerned, this is like Gears of War's active reload. Everybody should just borrow it because it's always going to work. It did seem to help Brian though, who all of a sudden applied the label lock. And essentially, as soon as Hangman at and Page got out of that. Brian Danielson went through every single maneuver he had done to the Dark Order to get the victory to make you go, oh no, he's going to win. But this is Hangman Adam Page we're talking about, our champion, and he got out of all of them. I will say that when Brian did start to kick Adam's flubbing head in, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And after around about 67,892 extra moves, Hangman Adam Page was able to hit the buckshot lariat. He got the one, he got the two, he got the three. There are some naysayers out there going, I don't like Hangman Adam Page's title reign, even though it's only been going on for around about three seconds, but I think it's fabu. I thought this match was terrific to the point it doesn't just get an up, blah, blah, blah. it gets the golden up. Also, it means the Cowboy is the first man to defeat Brian Danielson in AEW, and he should like tattoo that on his face, because it's a damn big deal. Do you know how we followed this up to with everything continuing between MJF and CM Punk. And there are actually some people out there, there they are, hello, who thinks that AEW has no star power. I mean, talk about ridiculous. It was really interesting too, because after last week, I bought in hook, line and sinker and went, oh, well, I guess AEW is going to move away from this program and we'll come back to it in due course. But no, it was MJF versus Sean Dean. And straight away, Punk just ran out there, so Maxwell bailed, and then CM turned around, he was like, sorry, Sean, he gave him the GTS, which of course meant Maxwell lost his first contest of 2022, because he got disqualified. Now, one, this was kind of an asshole thing to do, which makes it even better, but two, AEW never does DQ finishes, so this gave it even more weight. Like, if we were seeing them week in and week out, I'd be like, okay, well, who even cares? I witness this all the time, but Punk actually had a plan, and it made him come across like a smart tamale. Punk then grabbed a microphone and made it very clear that if Maxwell does indeed have world title aspirations, well, he's gonna have to fight CM Punk first, otherwise he'll keep doing this every single time there is an AEW show. And then MJF also got a mic and was like, yo, Punk, remember when you didn't main event WrestleMania, which did actually used to be one of CM Punk's dreams? We were getting each other right in the stomach. When it does come to verbal sparring, though, you just knew that Punk was going to throw back one straight away. So he said, hey, you keep talking about going to the other place. Well, why don't you go and do that? Main event, some kind of four-day spectacular that has a buy one, get one free offer and then get released the very next day. Do not forget, if we did have a fifth day to this four-day spectacle, on the fifth day, the main event would be... 
Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. I love Roman and Brock, but I had the thought and it made me laugh. Before we were done, Maxwell did tease that he was going to fight CM Punk, but instead said, actually, next week it's going to be you versus Wardlow. So look at all the stories we are tying in here, because you just know Wardlow is going to turn face eventually, and it's going to be great. It is getting it up. I should we would go to a match after this, because that's usually AEW's way, but we continued on the sports entertainment wagon, don't know what that was, because out came Chris Jericho to do a little bit of talking. Now, he had been away for a while, so he had a lot to address and said, hey, last week when I came out to beat up 2.0, I didn't do that to save Eddie Kingston because I don't care about Eddie Kingston and my whole goal, my whole existence right now is going into hating 2.0. This, of course, is when 2.0 interrupted. I'm really going to regret doing this because trying to track it over two shows or more than that, two companies, is going to be impossible. But bring it down. Here's what we're going to do. The interruption counter. When it comes to AEW, it goes up to one, but we're also doing a total between WWE and AEW, so professional wrestling, and that goes up to five. And we ain't even done on this evening, so I am massively going to regret this by the end of the year. Anyway, they traded barbs for a little bit with Jericho going, ha you've got a square head, you've got a square head. And just when he was going to use Floyd the baseball bat, Danny Garcia must have been on the Starship Enterprise because he just transported himself in from nowhere and they all started to jump Chris. This allowed Eddie Santana and Ortiz to then run down and balance the books. And while I'm sure Santana Ortiz do care about Chris Jericho, we know that Eddie Kingston doesn't. He kind of just stared at him like, man, I'm so mad and I'm going to kill you. We're also going to get a six-man street fight on Rampage, which will probably be very good. And as I said last week, even if we have to turn the pride and the powerful heel in order to get them more airtime, maybe even turn on Chris Jericho, that's what we should do. Otherwise, though, this was fine. I mean, maybe it wasn't the fire that I was expecting. And I'm not 100% into this feud right now. Like, it's bubbling under the surface. But it's not like it was bad, it was just okay, and we give it up. We got a big video package for Jake Atlas after this, so like a Telltale game, make sure you remember that, because clearly we do have big plans. And then we kind of doubled up on that because we zoomed to the back where we saw Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. Cole knew that Kyle didn't mean to hit him last week, so everything's going to be okay. And when these three and the Young Bucks can get on the same page, they're going to be unstoppable. Which probably means in about three weeks, they're all going to fall out. Adam also challenged Jake Atlas for a match on Rampage. (laughs) So what did I just tell you? We ready to pull this trigger. Wardlow was then here, and he wrecked Antonio Zambrano. And let's be fair, and let's be honest... That is the best name I've heard in professional wrestling for quite some time. We did carry on everything between Wardlow and Sean Spears because straight away Spears ran over to this guy and gave him the C4 on the outside. And then he fed him to Wardlow and I was like, kill him, pin him, I've done all the work for you. But Wardlow was like, no, accountability, buddy. I don't really like you if I'm being completely honest. So he grabbed Antonio and gave him five power bombs as if he was Booker T. And only then did he make the pin... So you can see what we're doing here. So these are nice and easy segments that we were building as if they were Lego. And I just like Wardlow. And I'm excited to see him become a good guy. And you could probably eat this out for a little bit longer if you do so choose. Not everything has to be super duper complicated. Got another video focusing on everything between Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. And that made me do a jig because it means we're going to continue on that feud. And I'm excited for it when it was time for the finals 
of the TBS tournament. Now, first and foremost, bravo to everybody involved, because I feel like we put so much attention on this and so much focus that when we did get to Jade Cargill versus Ruby Soho to determine who was going to become the champion, I sat there and went, well, I think this is important because it's been portrayed as being important and this importance has come out of my TV and smacked me right in my bald head. Ow. And while I assumed that Cargill was going to win again, much as our first match, I was like, well, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe we would give it to Soho. So the secret source was back. As we do have to remember, though, Jade is a star that we have been building from the ground up. And while I'm a massive fan of her and everything that she has done so far, this, unfortunately, was just one of those occasions where we did take a bat and we swung and very unfortunately we missed. And I'm sure that Ruby and Cargill are aware of this and there was just so many shenanigans here. Like Mercedes Martinez ran out at one point but she got stuck by Thunder Rosa, which did make sense. And then later on, Mark Sterling was causing such a fuss, the referee had to go, look man, you're just really pissing me off go to the back. None of this actually helped Jade Cargill at all though because Ruby Soho was still able to hit the no future for a decent near fall and then they climbed to the top rope and they were going to do an avalanche jaded and it kind of went right and it kind of didn't go right. I mean it still looked pretty devastating but maybe not as devastating as they were hoping for. Point is Jade Cargill hit it and she became the champ. And I have no issues with this because again it's been clear from the start this is what we've been doing for Jade Cargill and don't even pretend she's not going to go on to great things but when you did sit through the entire match well, like I say, it didn't really click. And while I say this over and over again, no one listens to me. We do grade on a curve and you do have to give it a down. We were then having a sit down interview with Serena Deeb that was hosted by Jim Ross. And man, I tell you, if 2022 isn't the year of Deeb, which admittedly does sound a little bit weird, then something has gone terribly wrong. Because she was just spitting fire here because she hates Sheeta so damn much. And we are doing that match again soon. And I was like, well, I will watch it mostly because Serena is so flipping great. And then once again, what did I tell you, Brian Pillman Jr.? I said it to my man Griff Garrison too. What are you doing? Why are you going out there and challenging Malachi Black? This dude got massive, massive problems and he was always going to march out here and try and kill you. And that's what he basically did. I mean, Pillman did have some flurries here and there, but basically Malachi was using his leg like a gun and he was hurling it over here and he was hurling it there. And then when Brian did slip off the top rope, Malachi Black went bang. He booted him right in the skull. And that was that. Black was clearly going to finish everybody off because he cornered Brian Pillman Jr. and Julia Hart after this, which is when the Lucha Brothers ran out to make the save because, of course, Pat isn't around at the moment after Malachi Black also destroyed him. It then got a little bit weird because the lights went off and when they switched back on, everybody had switched places like it was some kind of voodoo version of musical chairs. But I just like Malachi Black. I absolutely love how he's running through everyone. And when he comes out, I go, I tell you, this guy is a big deal. And if you make me feel like that, you are getting it up. Ruby Soho was then cutting a promo after this. And understandably, she was really disappointed that she wasn't able to win the TBS championship. But I wasn't disappointed because Britt Baker and her crew interrupted her. Right, get your brains working. Bring it down. Interruption counter. AEW goes up to two and the total moves up to six. Britt was an absolute ass here too because she was like, man, do you remember when you came to this company hoping to win championships and now you tried twice and you failed them 
both occasions. Of course, this triggered a brawl when Riho also came in there and she was throwing bombs saying, no, you're not going to do it. And this all ties into the fact that we're going to do Britt Baker Riho at the weekend. So it all made sense. And then we had a huge surprise, or at least I thought so. Because it was the Jurassic Express taking on the Lucha Brothers for the AEW Tag Team titles. And maybe because it was our debut on TBS, we did the title change. I mean, ooh, da lally. Now, I don't know for sure, obviously, because I don't work for AEW Creative. But there is every chance that maybe we called this one on the fly. Because towards the end of the thing, Luchasaurus grabbed Phoenix and he gave him a choke slam through a table. And Phoenix landed so badly on his arm, it is 100% broken. So screw title changes, screw wrestling, screw everything else. I just really hope this man is okay and do not go out of your way to watch it because it is not pretty. In fact, it was pretty damn horrific. Otherwise, before all this though, good grief, it was good. And some people are going, oh, there's nothing but a spot fest as if that's a bad thing or not really hard to pull off because this was just so damn entertaining. And yes, it was move over here, move over there, but you couldn't take your eyes off the thing. And it was also damn fun. We also had a little bit of story here too because the Luchas knew, well the massive problem is that Luchasaurus guy because he's a giant dinosaur with power. So half the time when they were attacking him they made sure there was a team effort because that was the only way to keep him down. Jungle Boy has ever just flew around the place and at one point even vaulted over the dinosaur to hit Penta with a destroyer and I was like I don't get how he did that. And given the Luchasaurus then also hit a Death Valley driver and went for the pinfall, I tell you one bit on that. I thought we were going to see the change then. We also did have one eyebrow raising moment because when the brothers were going to go for their finisher, all of a sudden the lights went off and it was like her. Now, the obvious story is going to be this was Malachi Black getting them back for what they did to him earlier. But because I'm a weird nerd that likes the fantasy book, I'm going to say that Christian did this even though he was at ringside and even though he was really happy when his boys won. So I think my expectation that he would go heel was massively incorrect. But hey, you win some, you lose some. We still got another great near fall when the Lucha Brothers were able to hit the fear factor. And oh my gosh, that got me again. Because honestly, it was like one, two point nine, 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 nine. When we did get the kick out. And shortly after, this is when the table was introduced and we did see that choke slam. But once again, Phoenix, I really hope you're okay. It did lead to Jungly Jim and Penta being left in the ring. And you have to imagine they called some of this on the fly because I bet the finish was different originally. But amazingly, Jungle Boy did go for the kill switch. It didn't work. So instead, he busted out the most devastating moment. Ah, oh, the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And he got the three. And like I tell you, I was genuinely shocked. I think we were going to do it. And I can't lie about any of this. It did make me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum because I love Luchasaurus and I love Jungle Boy, so I am going to give it an up. And afterwards, we went all JRPG here because every single tag team basically came up on the apron and was pointing them like, you, we're going to challenge you. And if you've ever played a Japanese RPG, this is usually what happens when you get to a boss. You have to fight all the other bosses you already killed first. It's really annoying. I still think that something is brewing under the surface here, but I just can't put my finger on it, but I can definitely smell it. But given this was the first ever AEW Dynamite on TBS, well, I thought it was a lot of fun and it's getting it up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.